Wendell Vaughn, the first Earthman ever appointed protector of the universe, bonded to the energy-transforming quantum bands that are both weapons and symbols of his station. He fights an ongoing battle to defend all life in the universe from cosmic evil. Stanley presents Quasar. Greetings and welcome back to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar when we decide to put an episode out. I am the generally gregarious Gene Hendricks. With me is the always amusing Adam Worth. <laughs> that's the best that's the best you can come up with. Yeah. I'm, do, okay. I'm doing my best Stan Lee. It's not a very good Stan Lee, all right? Listen, we put this show out once every fucking six months. I'm surprised anyone even bothers to check the feed. You know what? They're going to be like, hey, it's Memorial Day. Let me see what's on my podcast feed. Oh, the Quantum Cast. Are those guys still alive? <laughs> uh, well, joining us today, a very special guest, the uh, totally tongue-in-cheek Thomas Stanley. How are you, Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am very special um, in every way that you can think of, and I don't. I, can you guys explain to me real quick again who is Quasar? Well, <laughs> Thomas, Quasar, Quasar is the Kevin Bacon of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> You is there a character. seven degrees of there, yes, seven there degrees is. of Quasar. And in this and, issue you'll find out why. He, he, <laughs> he is he is the brick and mortar. He is the soul of the Marvel universe. But no one ever knows about him. He's the he's the he's he's the average superhero. He just an average Joe guy who gets a pair of quantum bands and all of a sudden is now protector of the universe and he's constantly having pity parties. He constantly looks at himself in the mirror and says, you know what? I kind of hate you a little bit. <laughs> you know who that reminds me of? Me. Hal, Hal Jordan. Well, you. Hal Jordan. A little bit. No, Sounds a little bit like Hal Jordan. Because Quasar isn't cocky. Hal yeah. Jordan is completely sure of himself and even if he has no clue what's going on, he'll act like he does. Quasar, right, so, if, if he knows what's going on, he'll act like he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, so and, and what how, you're telling me is that Quasar has no actual ability because that's what makes Hal Jordan cocky, is he can do shit. Except Quasar can do a hell of a lot more than Hal Jordan. It's just he yeah, has no self-confidence. He has no self-confidence, whereas Hal Jordan, he can overcome great fear because he's a cocky shit. And gotcha just doesn't feel the fear. Like, he's too stupid to know he should be afraid. And so if, you, if, if you guys want to do uh, however, however you usually do, I'm happy to interject because I have questions. Okay. That's fine. All That's right. fine. And speaking of having questions, do you think the listening audience would like to know where Tom comes from? He's not just one of our bullshit friends. I am a bullshit friend. <laughs> okay. I, I said not, not just a bullshit friend. Shut that fucking dog up. I, I'll kill it shortly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I said, don't, don't, hurt the, don't hurt the dog. Don't hurt the dog. This isn't John Wick. <laughs> no, I won't do that. I will go into another room. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, for those of you listening, uh, Thomas is coming all the way to us from Ohio and the yeah. Negative One podcast on the Neo Zaz Network. Yep, we do movie reviews. Um, me and my co-host Matt um, started a conversation uh, what a little over two years ago 
that started uh, came down to he had never seen The Godfather, but he went to film school of sorts, uh, and we felt like we needed to remedy that. So we take turns every other week, uh, making each other watch something that they've or or consume some sort of pop culture that we've never done before. So, yeah, check us out. Yeah, if you if you I like think... this show, you might just like their show. Yeah, but probably not. We're not as good. Well, now we have we set a very low bar. <laughs> yes, we and do. we <laughs> fall under it. A very low bar, and you limbo right underneath of it. <laughs> oh boy. So, Tom, this was the first Quasar comic book you have ever read. Yes, and and I'm a Marvel fan. Um, Good, that's a saving grace. Good. Amen. Amen, brother. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I I can tell you the name sounds familiar, but I don't think I'd ever actually heard of Quasar. I definitely didn't know his his secret identity. Um, uh, It's one of the nerdiest names I think I've ever seen ever. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is. Wendell Vaughn. And he steers Vaughn. into that skid, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And I think it's actually Wendell Elvis Vaughn. It I think is. <laughs> <laughs> He's That's from Wisconsin. Great. You must you must forgive him. <laughs> yeah, you Midwesterners. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, yeah, I just... Uh, it, it seems like maybe I'd seen him... And so this uh, this issue is in the 90s, right? I'm sure I'd seen him because this was when I was really big into comics. Mm-hmm. Well, most but... likely you saw him as a member of the Avengers because he was at this time. Mark Gruenwald was also writing the Avengers, so obviously his pet project has to be in there. So right, and and, and well said, Gene. Uh, Quasar is Mark's pet project. He loves this character. And he wanted to get the character as much exposure as possible, which is why we're having a lot of quote-unquote guest stars from outside of the Avengers wheelhouse. So remember, we had um, we had Spider-Man in a cosmic episode mm-hmm. back when uh, back when Spider-Man had the Captain Universe powers. Uh, we had Venom when Venom was all the rage. Uh, it took what two panels? Two uh, entire panels for Quasar to defeat uh, Venom. Yeah, pretty much. Venom comes comes onto the scene. Quasar bubbles him, and I'm gonna bring you back to the vault. Have a nice ride. The end. Yeah. Which makes uh, you realize I'm... how shitty of a character Spider-Man is. Hey, hey, fuck you. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying. Story arc after story arc. Peter Parker versus Venom. Quasar. Two panels. I'm gonna put you in a bubble. And well. I'm I'm going to spank your hiney. Be, be fair. No, that was Half-Life. Uh, oh, that was Half-Life. <laughs> right, with the hooker boots. Right. Uh, be, be fair that Spider-Man and, and Venom have similar abilities. If you put Quasar versus Hal Jordan, Quasar I do wins. wonder who... Yeah, totally, do, Quasar wins. Uh, he wouldn't believe it, apparently, and therefore could not achieve it. Well, no, he would win simply because... <laughs> Uh, what? How Jordan's special power is the secret? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're telling well, me? Well, uh, what, no, what, what color that's is good. Quasar's uh, quantum energy, Tom? I'm colorblind. It's, I'm guessing uh, you're going to say yellow. It is yellow, yes. So how Jordan is, pardon, pardon my language if my daughter happens to be around, fucked. <laughs> well, I think they got rid of that impurity in the later episode. 
Because Green Lantern's a good book. I'm I'm not going to put Green Lantern down. I'm just saying that Quasar has a a gambit of abilities, which we're going to see them define some more of those abilities in this book. Right. So, Comic Book Fight Club, if Hal Jordan didn't have the yellow weakness, which, again, I, I think you're right. I think that's gone now. It's been written out. Would Who would win in a fight? It would be a close call, but Quasar has more raw power and multiple powers, whereas Hal Jordan, as a Green Lantern, can create things with his force of will, but does not have total control over the elect the entirety of the electromagnetic spectrum. Gotcha. And, and one other thing is Quasar, at, he has shield training. So Hal Jordan is a uh, test pilot, so he's he's not exactly got military training. But when, um, when he was he was in the Air Force, so right. I would say if oh, okay, so you have military he, training, you just don't have maybe combat training, right? Whereas like, Quasar went to the Shield Academy, so he's got yeah. like the the next level up. Uh, let let's say their powers are totally equal, that they can mm-hmm. offset each other with the with the power ring versus the quantum bands. All Quasar has to do is make it last. Until Green Lantern's charge runs out, because the quantum bands uh, don't need to be recharged. Yep. 24 hours, right? Yeah. Uh, well, depending on when the last time he charged is. If he charged 23 hours ago, it only needs an hour. It's true. Right. It's very true. Well, we mentioned the um, – well, I have a feeling, Gene, you're about ready to go through these, right? Uh, go through what? <laughs> yeah. Go through – I'm sorry. Go yeah, through why don't plot. you be more fucking vague? <laughs> I could be vague Vaughn. Um, you were going <laughs> to go through the plot of this one? I am, yes. And then yeah. as, as something jumps out at you, you can interrupt me. I'm, I'm perfectly used to that. But yeah. th- this is what I'm thinking, and having just finished this 10 minutes ago, because or 15 minutes ago before we started, because um, I'm a professional and I finish before we start, but don't ask any more of me. <laughs> um <laughs> I think we can sum it up with Quasar thinks to himself, a bunch of people show up, the end. I think we're done with the show. You want to go to the plugs? That's it. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, that that's more or less how these issues have gone since issue three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And remember, we're only 11 issues in, so airing one episode every six months, Gene, when do you think we'll be done? Somewhere. So you've been like doing 20... this for six years. Uh, hopefully <laughs> before I die. <laughs> hey, do we want to <laughs> promote our other shit uh, before we get into the issue? Yeah, because I know that uh, you specifically have something very big to promote. Yeah. Uh, so the my main show is the Bad Advice Show, and if you're not listening to it, shame on you, because if you like the yuck-em-ups on this show, the Bad Advice Show is a terrific outlet where we do exactly what the name sounds. People send us in adv- uh, questions from the Internet, and we give them the absolute worst advice they could possibly get. There's a lot of naughty language and a lot of quasi um quasi-inappropriate comments, and that's the majority of the show. Um, that show, plus Tom's show, Gene, your shows as well, mm-hmm. uh, others on the NeoZaz network and the Two True Freaks network, we're going to have a fan appreciation night. So this would be Friday night, July 7th, 
2017. What's that? The day fucking Spider-Man Homecoming comes out. Let's, we let's can just... go see it in the morning. Uh, I know. Don't get your panties in a twist. We can do they, that. We could do more don't... than one fucking thing on a day. Says I you. know. Yeah. Can we? Says really? You. We have to get done spooning first. Are we? Are we? Can you? Are we? Can you? Will you? Do we? Anyways. <laughs> Friday. Saturday. No. Friday. July 7th, 5 p.m., South Street in Philadelphia, a little bar you might know as the Tattooed Mom, big place in South Philly. We're going to be there. We're going to do a live broadcast from 5, no, uh, 6 to 8. They're going to treat us like royalty, drink specials, yada, yada, yada. Then we're going to bar crawl our way down South Street to the Woolly Mammoth who also is going to treat us like celebrities. They're going to create custom drinks based off of topics from the Bad Advice Show. And then we are going to be there till 11 p.m. Naturally, we'll be all over South Street over the course of the night, so you can always follow us using the hashtag BASBARCRAWL. That's hashtag BASBARCRAWL. And if you're anywhere near Philadelphia, please come out, join us for a fun-filled evening. I'm not paying for your fucking drinks. I'm not buying you a meal. But if you want to put a name with a face and do a little jokey joke and some yuck ups with our entire crew, we'd love to have you come out. And uh, you can go to the Bad Advice Show's Facebook page, look under our events, and you can uh, say you're, click the interested button, and you'll get all the details on when, where, who, and how. All right. Make note of that, everyone. July 7th, 2017. If you're listening to this in the future, I'm sorry. Buy a time machine. Is there anything else that I missed? Did I, did, I, did I give all the appropriate information? I believe you did, yes. Including the hashtag, which I know you are loath to do. Hashtags fucking suck. Thomas, anything else I should be saying? Um, Goodbye to my wife, because she's walking out the door. Bye, wife. Bye. I'll see you in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Not too far. For you, probably not. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even argue. <laughs> like if that's that's what needs to happen, that's what needs to happen. <clears throat> oh, well, I missed that, and I'm prima noctu. <laughs> hey, just remember, it's my house that gets clean and my dinner gets cooked. It's fine. I don't need a flat. <laughs> Are we done? Have we have we fucking has, has it gone off the rails already? Yeah, probably. So how about I try and bring us back on the rails? Do you know that we actually have three emails waiting for us here? I can't fucking believe it. Is one from that guy? Of course, one is from that guy. All right, got it. We have a we have a fan, Tom. I don't know why he still listens. Uh, no, we like him. We like him, but he is a podcast whore. And he writes in just so he'll say his name. So we refuse to say his name. <laughs> we call him that guy. That guy. We that don't guy. have any of those. Either. I don't know why that guy doesn't write in to the Bad Advice Show. I would absolutely say his name on the Bad Advice Show if he sent me some content that I could work with. And he seems like the kind of guy 
that could f- dig up some crazy-ass questions for us to go through, but he never writes into that show. So you're saying that that guy needs to write the bad advice show at yahoo.com and suggest questions? Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. Indeedly. All right. Indeedly. By, all, by all means, he can write into neg1cast, N-E-G-O-N-E-C-A-S-T, at gmail.com, uh, and give us some movie ideas and or complain about our, uh, what we think and feel and how I'm too touchy-feely and Matt has too many guns. This has been the shameless plug portion of the show. <laughs> Gene, is there anything that you would like to shamelessly plug? Yeah, if I was doing anything, I would, but at the moment, I'm not, so no. <laughs> Life has not been good to me recently, so I don't have time. Uh, however, I can get right into these emails, if you would like. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Please. The first one, from uh, June 11th of 2016. Oh, so topical. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we got to it in less than a year. Yes, I I call that a win. I call that a win, too. Uh, This is from new listener Jack Bon. And he writes, uh, the subject of his... Bon or Von? Bon, B-O-H-N. I feel like that's a missed opportunity. I think he should have signed his name Vaughn, like Quasar's last name. I'm sorry. Did you say B as in boy, O-H-N? Yes. Bone. Okay. Or we could uh, be completely phonetic, Vahan or something like that. (laughs) Vahan. Not in Patolis. No. Oh, the title of his, e- his email is, Would Modoc's Jack Fit in Modam's Modem? <laughs> and Adam loves him already. God, would it? They're not blood-related. Oh, did, have you guys been watching the most recent uh, season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Unfortunately, no. I think the Russian dude, Tom, have you been seeing it? Apparently, I've been on mute this whole time. No, I... Is that uh, why the show is more interesting? Have you been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? What is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I think I've only seen two episodes of the first season because it wasn't very good. It was terrible the first few seasons, and then it got super good, super quick, halfway through the first season, and ever since, it's been gold. It's totally worth watching. Totally okay. worth watching. Um, keep that in mind. In the most recent series, most recent season, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but there's a Russian guy who eventually gets killed and then gets brought back as a fleet of robots, like all that look the same, mm-hmm. and he lets slip that he was designed only for killing. Aha! <laughs> and so I believe that's how they're bringing MODOK in. I think he's supposed to be MODOK. Okay. That would, oh, that would be nice. Okay, well, anyway, Jack writes. <laughs> says he, he got a big, does he have a big head? Hold on. Does he have a big head? I don't know. I never took his pants off. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. Sorry, go on, Gene. It's the uh, worst thing I've said all day. Adam, no, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> well, this is going to be ironic because his first sentence is, congratulations on your restraint. <laughs> 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 All right, so what's the full email? Okay. What is he say? He says, congratulations on your restraint. Although maybe you just didn't have time to work it in, Modam was created along different lines from MODOK with a right. different look and slightly different acronym. 
the sure. unfortunate Sodom. <laughs> so where where exactly does that Jack go in <laughs> Sodom? And he says, how many appearances before she got a line like, you expected a little head? Instead, you have found a Sodom. Me! <laughs> it's good. You, sir, can write in as often as you like. We'll probably read it sometime in November. <laughs> if we get, if we actually get another episode out, maybe. Uh, he says, they should have resurrected Modoc and teamed him with Modam. Armin Zola and the AI Quasimodo as the <laughs> know where he's going. Keep, keep reading, Chief. As the well, Headman has been taken by those villains in the Defenders and She-Hulk. Maybe the <laughs> our eyes are bigger than our stomachs, gang. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. He, he goes on, alas, no insights into Egbert's messenger service, which is something that we had asked about, because it was just too, too, uh, in your face to be nothing, but apparently it is nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Said, I uh, idly wondered at the time if it had something to do with the Quicksilver messenger service. In the late 80s, the, uh, re in the late 80s, the re-release of old albums on CD peaked. These days, idly wondering is just a step away from the web search, but I can't find any reason for Egbert, even cross-referencing with the Kevin Bacon movie Quicksilver. <laughs> Yet another Kevin Bacon reference. What was this guy's name again? Jack? Jack. Jack, you may write in as often as you like, and I will absolutely mention you by name. Also... Please write into the Bad Advice Show because my losers that come on that show aren't going to do, give me any type of show prep. So this would be very helpful. <laughs> don't write in the neg one cast. We don't need your kind of uh, snarkiness. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for playing. Making Move friends, on. building bridges. Uh, hey, late, hey, late hey, 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 yo, hey. Like Matt says, all I do is burn bridges all day long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he he ends with something that I don't I don't I do not think this word means what he thinks it means. He says, finally, <laughs> a parallelogram to be read the same backwards as forwards. Mm -hmm. I I know that's not a parallelogram, but I, I'm blanking on the actual word. Palindrome. Palindrome. There it is. And he says, was, uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. I'm going to say it was just autocorrect. Right. And it says, uh, Oh, Modoc, a Komodo ate Modam in a kimono. <laughs> Which is an interesting way to sign off, really. I, I think that shows real thought. Yes. Which is more effort than any of us put into this one show. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for writing in, Jack. And uh, our next email is from that guy. Okay. In fact, he says, Hey, guys, that guy again. <laughs> nice. And he loved the reference to the old Bugs Bunny cartoons that we made. And I don't remember what those references were, but obviously they were clever. You were doing the one about the, uh, I want an Easter egg, I want an Easter egg, I want an Easter egg. <laughs> That's what you were doing. Okay. Uh, he says, ah, Modan, a woman who first was believed to be Hank Pym's late wife. And, uh. turned, out, and turned out not to be in the very next appearance of the character. So, obviously, that mystery didn't last very long, did it? Uh, kept suspense for about 30 days. Yep. 
a woman Omega Red believed to be someone who betrayed him, only for AIM files to be falsified because AIM, it seems, enjoys messing with people. And he says he's not kidding on any of that, and I didn't think he was. Truth. Uh, he goes on to say, really, this says a lot about... Are you fucking texting me while we're doing the recording? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you seem, you act like you're special, like I was texting no, just you. No, it's from you. It's from you. All right, Gene. You wanted to, all right, let's give that guy some credit. He did, he did write in and he's a good dude. Yes. He's a good dude. I talk to him on Facebook every now and again. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> what is that? Give him, give him his, his credit. Okay. The rest, the rest of the email is really, this says a lot about the comic when Modam and her backstory really are the most I remember off the top of my head. Oh yeah, the Kree after Quasar definitely goes places, but he's surprised that they didn't ask for titanium man armor as well from AIM. Which, yeah, that would that would make sense. You want to get more than just one thing. Sure. And said so that's a reference to when we see who gets knocked off quant who gets the knockoff quantum bands of the Cree that the Cree wears when he appears in a supervillain miniseries set when Thanos Thanos assaults the Earth to find his son. I mean, Thanos has a son. He does. Oh wow. Yeah, I've been, I've been out of it for a while. It's a pretty decent storyline. There's a oh god, there's one you can't unread. You never know, like you, you can I can't unsee things. There's this one Thanos uh, that you just can't unread where uh, he keeps on. Now we don't know if it's you know insanity and he's having visions of Lady Death mm-hmm. or if it's actually Lady Death, but uh, apparently there are and there, I've seen it. I've read it. There's very graphic um, comic pages where. Uh, he appar- it's alluded to that he just recently had sex with a corpse in his bed chambers and then is there sitting on the end of the bed sobbing because he thought the corpse was Lady Death and it turns out it wasn't. It's a fucked up, you just can't unread it, but it's really good and it's not for children. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, he concludes with saying, looking forward to more episodes of the show. But hey, you got your wish. Here you go. And give him give him some credit, dude. Give him some give him some love. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's, I I'm always happy to get emails from him. Yeah, okay. Tell what I fucking do not understand what I'm saying. Say his he name doesn't. out loud. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Let it go. <laughs> what is his name? Say his name out loud. Jason Trenner. Okay, there you go, buddy. <laughs> All there right. You go. Our, Thank you for the email. Our last email say, of the night. Say, say, say. Sorry. Our last email of the night actually comes from this year. (gasps) Wow! And it's from Sean Merrick, who uh, is a fellow podcaster. Okay. And he writes, Just one... Uh, I'll get to that. It's in in his email. He's good at (laughs) self-promotion. He says, Just wanted to say, I dig your show and that it's dope that you are doing a podcast about Quasar. Or, as he calls him on the show, Quasar. (laughs) Don't ask me why. His solo series is underrated and a lot of fun. It's great to see someone out there is giving it its due. Keep hustling with the podcast. If you have a minute, check out my comic book show called Worst Collection Ever that I do with my wife, Jen. We riff over our lousy collection of books from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We've also riffed on a few Quasar issues if you're looking for a point to jump on. In their May 3rd, 2015 episode, they did Quasar number 19. 
and their March 6, 2016 episode, they did Quasar number 50. So hmm. thank you, thank you very much, Sean. Uh, I listened to both those episodes, and uh, I can tell you, uh, Adam, that you would definitely enjoy it, and Tom, I think you would as well, uh, because in the Quasar number 50 episode, uh, Jen actually uses the phrase cock cage. And she ain't talking about no chicken. God damn, you are, you are fucking gorilla monsoon with those jokes. <laughs> so issue 50, and at our rate of two episodes a year, I think it's going to be 2037 by the time we get to that. Assuming the world is still around, yes. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. But that cleans out the email bag, uh, so how about we uh, take a quick break, and then we'll come back and get on to Quasar number 11. Do you really want to take a break? I think people are just going to get off and pull the ripcord and get out. <laughs> I think we need to take a break to at least help promote some of these other shows, like Sean's, like Tom's. and. All right, that's fine. Goodbye. <laughs> And I'm Sean. We're here to tell you about our podcast, Worst Collection Ever. And this is the show where we tell you about the worst comic book collection in existence. And it just happens to belong to us. We have some of the worst comics from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're bad. They don't, they're not worth anything. No good. Why do we Very own them? Bad. I own a number of issues of Terror, Inc. and Guy Gardner. Basically, we go around to local comic book stores and we buy everything we can out of dollar boxes. We tell you about the weird stuff in them. We tell you about stuff that's related to them. We go into tangents. And we're very uninformed, so... Oh, my God, totally. But totally check out our podcast because you'll hear us just talk and joke about Marvel books and DC books from God only knows when. That's right. It's our show, Worst Collection Ever, every Tuesday on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Download, rate, subscribe, tell a friend. It'll be good and terrible, but good. Hi, gang. It's Adam Worth from the Bad Advice Show, and it's official. Critics, fellow podcasters, and fans alike have voted, and the Bad Advice Show has won the 2016 award for Best New Podcast. Detractors called us the most dangerous show in podcasting, but thanks to you, the fans, this little podcast that could has shown them all. To help celebrate, our podcasting colleagues from around the world have sent us in congratulatory messages. Like this gem from Aaron the Head Moss of the Head Speaks Network. Yeah, I enjoy listening to the Bad Advice Podcast when I'm going to the bathroom. Because, you know, when in Rome. But wait, there's more. This is Ryan Daly from the Secret Origins Podcast. My ex-wife's divorce attorney calls the Bad Advice Show a gold mine. And still others have sent contributions in to show their reverence. So we're going to record the next episode of the Negative One Podcast in a second, right, Matt? Yeah. All right. Um... Did you hear that we got a new podcast on the network? No, I heard that we we just adopted some bullshit that no one's going to listen to. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's called the Bad Advice Show, and it, it really is shit. Is it a bad is it a bad bad advice show show? Bad bad advice show show. Do I have to? Yes. Hello, this is Gene Hendricks from the Two True Freaks Network. Louder and more natural. I would just like to tell everyone that the Bad Advice Show is a wonderful podcast. 
and everyone should listen to it. Can I have my dog back now? You can find The Bad Advice Show wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. So search for us and subscribe now so that you too can say, I was into The Bad Advice Show before it went mainstream. The Bad Advice Show is a great podcast, as long as you hate yourself. And we're back. Thank you for bringing us back in. All right, so tonight we are looking at Quasar, issue number 11, cover dated June 1990. Wait, are we back? Yeah, he just said we're back. Weren't you listening? No, no, I wasn't. (laughs) Uh, All right, Continue. (laughs) Love Uh, you too, Adam. Listen to guests as much as you listen to me. I like that. I listen to the guest even less than I listen to you. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what? I strive for new goals this year. <laughs> All right. The, the on-sale date of this was April 10th, 1990, thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics for that information. The story by Mark Gruenwald, pencils by Mike Manley, inks, Fred Fredericks. Wait, his parents named him Fred Fredericks? Really? Whatever. Letters, Janice Chiang. Oh, no one ever uses a fake name in the outside world. Yeah, I mean, Stan Lee is his real name, right? No. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> no. Uh, colors are my oh, whatever you. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Whatever you say, Adam. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm not trying to say anything, Mr. Worth. All I'm saying is that something smells fishy. Especially, especially if you listen to this show from the beginning. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Clever, yeah. It's not like there's not a back catalog. <laughs> <laughs> Colors are by Paul Beckton. The editor was Howard Mackey, and the editor-in-chief was Mr. Tom DeFalco. On the cover, we have Quasar being blasted by the Rachel Summers Phoenix. The text reads, Quasar versus the Fury of Phoenix, guest-starring Excalibur. I really Wait. like how you read that. Well, I'm trying to be dramatic. You no. were. You did a great job. No, it was, it's not all have to be dick jokes. I was being serious. I like how you said that. So now, what, what do you guys think of the cover anyway? Well, pretty. I'm not... He doesn't know. He's colorblind. I'm right. It's all just black and white to me. Um, no, I'm not familiar with the Rachel Summers version of Phoenix. I'm only familiar with Gene. Well, Rachel, and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, as I'm sure you will, but Rachel is from an alternate future that uh, the X-Men went into the future, and she was being used as what was known as a hound, which is a mutant that could track other mutants. Gotcha. And she was brought back to the main timeline, and she is, in that future, she is the daughter of Scott Summers and Jean Grey. Is and, that the Age of Apocalypse future? Is that where uh, Bishop came from? Uh, this is before question. all of those, actually. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, the, the movie, um, Days of Future Past, uh-huh. there was a comic book storyline, blah, 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 blah. It was actually very short-lived. Um, but in that alternate future where Sentinels take over and 
uh, flatline, what it, flatliners, uh, whatever the, the, the nomenclature for base humans, right. um, take over, they capture mutants and put them in concentration camps. She is the daughter of Scott Summers Cyclops and Jean Grey, mm-hmm. uh, Marvel girl at all. And, uh, she's the daughter, their daughter from a future, uh, an alternate future. And I believe at the, at that time, Jean Grey was still Phoenix. So that, they were saying that she inherited her mother's power. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's also the sister of Cable, uh, Nathan Summers and Nate Grey, who is the, uh, uh the yet X-Man. another, right, the X-Man, another alternate incarnation of Cable. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So, that, that's who she is, and she was, uh, I don't think she was with the actual X-Men very long. Uh, if I remember, I just only maybe like six or seven issues, and then she transferred with Nightcrawler over to Excalibur. Correct. Which, so this was, if this was 1990, so this was when X-Men Mania was ramping up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they started to branch out into all the other books, the X-Force, X, the New Mutants, the, um, Excalibur, there what, three, there were two different X-Men books. Uh, at least two, an, there might have been three, there's also X-Factor, X-Force. X-Factor, X-Force, yeah. Yeah, I and then, Yeah, you had Uncanny and then the Astonishing X-Men, those were the two teams. Well, at, at this point, I believe it was Uncanny, X Factor, Excalibur, and New Mutants. I think those those were the only titles that were out in ninety. Uh, the the real it, the what the, is referred to as the adjectiveless X Men started uh, later in the nineties. So gotcha. that's that's where you have the second actual X Men title come in. Hmm. I don't uh, obviously my that guy will fucking know that guy will write in and give us the the real scoop so let's not dwell on it too much right gotcha okay the the, the point I was making was not not uh not a not um surprising that an X group somehow shows up in Quasar's world <clears throat> right and this character uh Mark had been doing shameless cross promotions we talked about spider-man we talked about venom they did a new mutants thing where the new mutants were on two whole pages at the very beginning of a book but they were plastered warlock's face across the cover as if it was a big part of the story so it's not surprising that they have the excalibur crew in this book okay sorry all right so inside, we open up... <laughs> Listen, you don't have to apologize. We should really be apologizing for this entire show. <laughs> Not just this episode, like all... What did we do? Two, ten other episodes. <laughs> anyway, we open up the comic to find Quasar, quote-unquote, flying under the Pacific Ocean, obviously in search of something. Our title reads, By the Time I Get to Phoenix, which is... Not exactly a strong title, but whatever. Womp womp. On on the next page, uh, Quasar, having lost his quarry, flies out from underwater and immediately gets hit by a rather large wave. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just fucking pass over all the good stuff. That's why you're here. I know, but... I summarize. You dig deep. Okay, so in his musings, there's... Okay, this is very 
thought bubble intensive. This entire this is, book. It's, 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 a, just, it's a very exposition heavy book. Right. Uh, Tom, what did you, before we started recording, what was it you said? If you wanted to summarize this book. Uh, it was basically him thinking and then he meets a bunch of people and then the book's over. Right. That's exactly it. So in, in, on page number two, he's talking about how he's chasing after some extraterrestrials that are underwater and they keep giving them him the slip. They're so much faster than he is. And of course, if you are, you know, any type of a deconstructionist comic book person, you're like, well, how the fuck are they going to be faster than Quasar? And he actually takes the time to think to himself, boy, the only reason why I can't keep up is because if I went any faster, I would cause major ecological damage. And so I thought that that was a clever thing to throw in there to explain away why these extraterrestrials keep giving him the slip underwater. But wait, wouldn't the extra, extraterrestrials who are obviously already going that fast, aren't they already causing the uh, the environmental damage that he's so worried about causing? Well, no, uh, dummy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was that thinking inside the box? <laughs> well, they're they're adapted to underwater. He's flying in his quantum bubble, so he's probably, let's say, pushing more water out of the way than they are therefore would cause that much more ecological damage. Right. He's not streamlined. I, I think I see what you mean. By Good. the way, that, that is one panel with 52 words in it. He counted, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I did. While Adam was talking about whatever bullshit he was talking about, <laughs> I counted the words. Ah, TikTok. Look, Adam. <laughs> And that, that's one panel. On it's times like this that, I wish Matt came on the show. It's <laughs> oh. oh. one panel on a page with four panels. So I'm not saying all of them have 51 words on them, but they're all pretty heavy. Uh, yeah, you're looking at around 200 words on this page. So in other words, you're saying that was worth the dollar. It's... Oh, it's <laughs> It took me more than ten minutes to read it, that's yep. for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, Grunewald has nothing on Claremont, but he's still wordy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, no one beats Kirby, so let's just move I on. Was... <laughs> so anyway, Quasar gets hit with a large wave with a spadoosh sound effect. And he comes back up from <laughs> under the water. And that's where Kung Fu Panda stole it from. Spadoosh! <laughs> <laughs> Comes back up from under the water and finds the source of the waves is a man running extremely fast, just under five miles per second over the top of the water. And what is five miles per second, Adam? Uh, the hypothetical faster than light particles? No, that's the wrong panel. What am I? Uh, the speed of sound? The es- no. it's escape velocity. It's escape velocity. God damn it! I just read this too. No, my retention is very poor. I was more focused on the fact that he mentioned tachyons. Tachyons, yes. yeah. This and was the, back in 1990, this is the first time I'd ever been exposed to the word tachyon. And remember, this is pre-internet. So, the writer, Mark, really knew his shit, or at least spent some time in the fucking library, because that was not a readily known sci-fi term at this point. Yeah, well, that's something that we've we've noted in the past. How he he was really digging deep into actual science to to write these stories. I mean, even doing all that research on Uranus. 
I'm contractually obligated to mention Uranus once an episode. Every fucking episode, the same goddamn <laughs> joke. Uh, <sighs> so, Quasar finds that he's, uh, this man is powered by the tachyons, and he's unable to catch up with him because, again, he'd rip the atmosphere off if he moved any faster. Mm-hmm. So, wanting to stop him... Uh, before anything real bad happens, Quasar creates a drag shoot on the man, which makes him do a barnyard dog and flip over backwards at the rope limit. Huh. <laughs> I say, I say. <laughs> I got the reference. I got the fucking reference. Yeah. Uh, I, I get yeah. it. I, I was, I was wondering about that because it seemed really odd that he was talking about tachyons, which are particles that are traveling faster than the speed of light and therefore may have some uh some control or some some odd relationship with time and yet he shoots something out of his what are they called quantum quantum bands, bands at light speed and that somehow catches the guy well the guy is not traveling at light speed right but something around him is actually traveling faster than than the speed of light. So that all of this was a bit confusing because it the, it didn't seem to match up. So, okay, it, although there book. yeah, although there's heavier science in a lot of other books, <coughs> Superman. Um it does <laughs> right. Uh, I may have been a washout at the following things underwater, but so help me I'm not going to let something up here get the best of me. Let me scan it with my quantum bands, see if I can determine the power source of its locomotion. Holy, dash, dash, exclamation point, there are tachyons coming from whatever it is. So the tachyons are powering it, but not necessarily, this isn't necessarily time travel. I think it's just he's accessing ta- uh, tachyons as a power source. The the, the stranger who we all know, who Quasar fans know who he is. Uh, is accessing tachyons to create his super. Shut speed. your dog up. No, I love my dog. Keep barking, oh. sweetheart. You got it. <laughs> do what you need to do, baby. Don't let those squirrels fuck with our our nuts. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, okay, so, so essentially, he is uh, the the running guy is powered by tachyons. That's why he can actually run so fast without. You know, uh, burning himself out, but Quasar is able to shoot a beam at light speed to hit him, which it, luckily he's traveling in a straight line, so Quasar is able to adjust for the curvature of the earth and hit him dead on. Yeah. Stick and then, your pipe and smoke it. And then, uh, the yellow green lantern creates a, uh, parachute. Yep. And then the yellow green lantern creates two hands to pick him up out of the water before he drowned before he drowns yeah because he ended up floating face down (laughs) yes which was actually i mean when you think about it that's not only is that very dark it's really smart to do because that's how shit works in real life right right Mm -hmm. somebody hits you from behind you you go forward i was uh a little impressed by that Oh, as long as oh, it's only a little. Thanks. <laughs> much, much smarter than anything I've ever seen in Superman. Except for, <laughs> except for his death, which was a, key, a few years after this. Yeah, it was three or four after this. But yep. whatever. Uh, so, 
Man is still alive, Quasar bubbles him up and heads to the West Coast Avengers compound because no normal hospital will be able to treat a man that's running at near escape velocity. So he's going to call in Dr. Kincaid, who's the Avengers, according to the editor's note, on-call physician. Who is Kincaid? I'm sure that's somebody's secret identity. Well, no, this this is at the point where the Avengers had a staff. So this this is the era of the uh, the brown coat Avengers, as I call them, the ones in yep, the leather yep. jackets. So yep, they, got it. they had their own security chief, communications officer, and this is this guy is their doctor. So this this is all part of the the Avengers support staff. So he's, gotcha. he's he's actually just a doctor, believe it or not. <laughs> right. Should I spoil who this is? I think I already did. This is Makari. Right. From the Eternals. Who becomes a very big supporting character in Quasar. Yeah, he becomes Quasar's BFF for the remainder of the series. Yep. But How long did the series run, if you don't mind me asking? 60 issues. 6-0. Gotcha. Okay. So, and uh, Quasar, in, in that span of time, Quasar died twice. Well, that's common. <laughs> not, not in your own title, it ain't. <laughs> that's that's a pitfall of being a superhero. Well, you're right, not in your own title unless you're written by Bendis. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. True. <clears throat> All right, let's move on. Okay, so we now cut I to I got a... shit to do. <laughs> and uh, and an applause to give apparently. Uh we now cut to a lighthouse which happens to be the headquarters of the team Excalibur. In it we find Captain Britain Megan and Nightcrawler are relaxing while Phoenix looks out the window. Unknown to them, they are being observed by Mordred the Mystic, an enemy of Captain Britain. Mordred takes over Phoenix, (coughs) startling the others. Hold on. Go ahead. (laughs) I need to make a note here. While Mordred the Mystic is examining them and deciding which one he's going to take over, uh, Captain Britain, Brian Braddock, makes reference to after all of our interdimensional jaunts, a simple night of relaxation is a godsend. And then, of course, the foot editor's footnote is this takes place after the cross-time caper, uh, which I found on eBay very, very cheap, and I bought the entire Excalibur run about 10 years ago cool. and read through that. It's a really good run, and what I like about it is it's very what-if-y. Uh, or very Exilesy. I've talked about Exiles mm-hmm. on this show before, mm-hmm. where it's just they go to alternate universes, and it's it's a, it's a clever run. It's it's worth the read, especially since we can get them dirt cheap now in 2017 or whatever year you're listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> I I remember I had a couple issues of Excalibur uh, back in the day, and I think they all were involved in that that uh event and i remember them being fun they were there were interesting reads nothing too heavy but mm-hmm. it, it was it was a a fun read I, I i don't i don't think i've ever read an excalibur the only one of these four that are standing here that are interesting to me only because he's my favorite um x-man was uh nightcrawler mm-hmm. so nice it just the, re- the rest of these guys don't seem interesting well, Nightcrawler fits in well because uh, Excalibur was much more of a swashbuckling book. So, uh-huh. you know, it, it worked out well with him. Uh, Captain Britain, it's interesting because uh, later on we have a footnote about where Mordred previously appeared. 
which was Captain America 306. Mm-hmm. And I went back, and uh, thanks to Marvel Unlimited, I read 305 and 306, which is Captain America and Captain Britain taking on Mordred. And mm-hmm. uh, Mark Ruinwald happened to be the editor on Captain America at that time. So that's that's where this is coming back, is he's, oh, I remember that story from back there. Let me go use that villain. Right. And, uh, and that that was interesting because of the, the dynamic that Captain Britain and Captain America had. So I, I would recommend seeking those out if, if you have a chance, because it, it was a, a quick read, you know, by, you know, 80s comic standards. But mm-hmm. it was it was still it was fun because they neither of them referred to each other as captain. It was just America or Britain. Because huh. they're same rank. They don't need to refer to that. Sure, sure. So anyway, uh, our sorcerer guy uh, susses out the power levels of each of the different people in this room. Captain Britain, um, he's impervious to the magic attacks. Uh, Kurt's uh, Nightcrawler's teleportation is not going to be very helpful. Uh, Ma- I, I always pronounce it Magan, but maybe that's just my uh, Martian Manhunter uh, coming in. Megan's powers could be a possibility, but Rachel Summers, boy, oh boy, by the Darkhold, yes, she is perfect. She possesses incalculable power, incalculable power of a nature of my magics cannot begin to fathom. <clears throat> By the way, Darkhold, does anyone recognize the name Darkhold? Why, yes, I do. Okay, I know no. you do. Tom, <laughs> do you? Okay. No. In, in, the most, in, the, in the most recent Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the season just previous, the Darkhold was the MacGuffin that uh, caused all the shenanigans or was the impetus for a lot of the shenanigans. So they're taking this deep reference. The Darkhold is also one of uh, Doctor Strange's mystical books. And at one point in the Marvel Universe, he used it to destroy all of the vampires in the entire Marvel Universe. Including Morbius. All of them. Uh, Morbius is is not a true vampire, though. No, he's a, a scientifically made vampire rather than a mystically made vampire. Gotcha. Correct. Of course, Dracula came back not too long after that and said, uh, screw this, I'm making more vampires. Right, and that was because they had gotten a hold of the Darkhold, or the Darkhold was destroyed or whatever. And actually, Excalibur, under the title MI6, I believe it was, mm-hmm. uh, had a really great run in the 2000s and early 2010s. I uh, I totally recommend going and searching that out. That was a That was a really good story where Dracula got an army of vampires from outer space, and they were <laughs> attacking the planet. Uh, I wanted to take over the planet, and it sounds very cheesy, but when you read it, you're like, oh, this is really cool. It sounds like the plot of Plan 9. <laughs> <laughs> which is, from which, outer space? Yes, which is, which is the worst movie that Adam has ever seen, apparently. Oh, God, I even watched the riff tracks of that, like live. I went to the live riff tracks of it, and it just it, even they couldn't make it interesting. Halfway through, I was done. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so, back to the comic. Rachel Summers, power level over 9,000, moving on. It's over 9,000! That's I, all I, I wanted from you, Adam. Thank you. I would say class 3,000 myself, but whatever. Oh, my God. Gene's making a Marvel superheroes role-playing uh, reference. That's too. I was uh, Tom and I were making Dragon Ball Z references. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never got into Dragon Ball Z just because I didn't have uh, three episodes to watch someone power up. 
true. It's true. Bring a sandwich when you watch that. <laughs> it's uh, all right. So back on the West Coast, Quasar arrives at Avengers Compound and is greeted by Wonder Man. Ooh, more cameos. And U.S. Agent, who I had to look up who that was because Captain America was in that costume for a while, but I wasn't sure what time period it was. Uh, yes, this is actually U.S. Agent, even though he doesn't look as bulky as I expect U.S. Agent to look. So that's John Walker. That is John Walker, yes. John Walker has one of the best lines in all of comic book history where he says, fuck ha- Hank Pym. <laughs> <laughs> Or, and somebody else says, you had me at fuck Hank Pym. And they went off and did whatever they were going to do. Which I, I, I fully endorse that, Hank Pym. Oh, God. I will say, if you ever run across this again, and if he's running into the West Coast Avengers, you probably will. Um, when Captain America was in that suit, he was still using his shield with the star on the front. So that is how you can tell the difference. Was he? Because I thought he gave the shield back along with the costume when he quit being I, Captain America. I don't think so. I think he still had the shield. I, I, I could not be I could be wrong, but I, I want to say that that's how I kept it straight hmm. when I was a kid. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take your word for it. Moon, yeah. Yeah. So Wonder Man recognizes that this is Makari, one of the Eternals. They take him to the med lab, and Quasar heads out because, hey, he's got a day job. God damn. Yeah, this fucker, he never goes into the office. He's only got one client. He He's renting space in Four Freedoms Plaza. How he's affording it, we haven't been able to figure that out yet. Avengers stipend. Yeah, that was the only thing we could come up yeah. with. And then on top of it, so he just he just has this guy and he drops it off at the Avengers door saying, Oh, it's your problem now, I got shit to do. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly yeah. Right. Hey, this guy was running across the ocean minding his own business. I almost drowned him. Here you go. I don't know. <laughs> He's powered, but we don't know anything about him. You deal with him. Bye. Pachyons. <laughs> if he has a problem, why don't you throw your shield at him? That'll do something, right? Okay. Bye. So, an hour later, back in New York, and that is one heck of a flight time. Oh, shit. Wendell Vaughn is greeted by Kayla and Ken, his employees, and they introduce H.D. Steckley, an engineer wait, wait. who's looking for a job. Wait, I'm sorry to interrupt, but now now I have to think about it. I won't do the math, but I'm thinking it's, what, 3,000 miles from... from uh, L.A. to New York. So 3,000 miles an hour. Uh, yeah. Well, How here, many per second is that? Well, here's what I think is happening, is he did not fly straight there. He flew up, out of the atmosphere, and then back down into the atmosphere. So he could go that, up, go very fast in outer space, come back down, and get there. So he didn't just fly across the United States. So that way he could break escape of escape velocity, the whole math problem they had earlier in the, in the issue. Right. That's good thinking. If only the writer would have written that down and put it out there for everybody. There was an Just, Avengers comic around this time where they explained that he couldn't quantum jump uh, inside the Earth's atmosphere because it would destroy pieces of the ozone 
because right. ozone was a big issue back in the 90s. The ozone's perfectly fine now, right? Right. Right. And anyway, they determined that if you put a quantum bubble around himself, quantum jumped from point A to point B into another quantum bubble. It resolved that issue. So that could have happened as well. Yeah, because the main idea was he took atmosphere with him when he jumped. So if he limited the amount of atmosphere that went with him, it didn't have an issue. Right. I love how we're taking a 30-issue crappy-ass comic and turning it into a two-hour show. (laughs) Can we get back to when he starts interviewing the Baroness? (laughs) (laughs) Cobra Commander will be pleased. (laughs) Well, Raiders of Quasar know that this woman is not all that she seems. Uh, mm. uh, I know who she is. Yes, but in a rare display of business it's acumen, Dick Steckley, right? That's what, what the HD stands for. <laughs> Dick Steckley. Uh, now I'll, I could tell you what what it stands for. That would, but that would spoil it for people that are going to listen to our show in five years and then find yeah, out. I'm your guest. Tell me. Yeah, tell it, me. I want to know what HD stands for. It stands for <laughs> high definition. Heather Douglas, which is actually this person's real name. Right. Okay. That means nothing to me. (laughs) I'll tell you this. Thanks thanks for ruining it for everybody else, Gene, you jerk. (laughs) Jackass. (laughs) So in a rare display of business acumen, Wendell tells her that they don't have any openings since they need more clients. Right. Right, so he's just not going to hire some more random people, even though he uh, doesn't make any money? Right, he only, uh, two is his limit on hiring random people. Right. <laughs> but she says she's going to go off and find five more people, in five a, more clients in a week. And, hey, to I, I actually like his reasoning here. It's like, okay, one, that's probably impossible. Mm-hmm. Two, if you can do that, yes, I want you on my payroll. Right. Yeah, it's the but, first smart but, business decision she's he's ever made. Yeah, but but if you're gonna deep dive this, and I think that we should, oh, I think she, so too. She That's wants what a job from us. Right, she wants a job as an engineer. So if she goes out and finds five new clients, maybe he should be I don't know hiring her for fucking sales. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I I think the only way that she's gonna be able to find five new clients in a week is if some sort of mind control were involved. Probably, yes. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> Again, sales. Right, that, yes, feels like, exactly. that, that feels like an eternal struggle. <laughs> uh, so, after all this, Wendell heads into his office and speaks with Eon. They discuss the possible alien threats on Earth, which apparently haven't decreased at all. And Good job, so, Wendell. So wait, does Eon live behind his uh, bookcase? Or... Yes, behind the bookcase. <laughs> uh, actually, that is a, a portal to Eon's own dimension. Yeah, little, po- little pocket dimension. Yeah, so that's the Eonverse, as it would Prob- be called. Probably the first time I've seen that, and I could be wrong, because I, I read most of my comics uh, from this type time period back then. Um, and haven't picked them up since, but probably the first time I remember seeing Pocket Dimension uh, mentioned in comics. Very true. In the in the early 90s, that would be 
probably maybe the maybe the mid eighties would have been the first time it would have been mentioned is what I'm thinking. Yeah, this is a, a fairly new development in comics, yeah. I would think. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> as they're discussing this over the image of the earth, a picture of the Phoenix Force pops up. Now, Eon says that there appears to be something wrong with it, so Wendell, as usual, leaves to check it out as Quasar. Meanwhile, so he shows up for work for about 15 minutes and then bolts. Yeah, and luckily he's got glasses on because that's an effective disguise. Works for Superman. Hey. Sure, sure does. He's he's wearing the blue suit and red tie, so that, that works for it. <laughs> he must. He must be a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile... Somewhere north of London, Phoenix is battling Mordred for control of her mind while frightening a flock of sheep. <laughs> you know, I want to back up. I want to back up. Firstly, <laughs> firstly, that's a good reference. I didn't notice a sheep before. But you know what? If you're going to do a cheap publicity tie-in using the Phoenix Force as a extraterrestrial threat, which is his whole gig. He's got to police the entire world for this extraterrestrial threat that may threaten Eon's life in the near future. You know what? The Phoenix Force is a good tie-in for that. Yeah. I, I, I will say that when they were talking, because I don't know much about the backstory here, but they were talking about this big danger that, that you know, could threaten existence if, if it's a release, and he... He knows it's coming, but he doesn't know where it's at. And of course, this is the one episode, or the one issue that I've read. Well, yeah, Phoenix. Phoenix is the scariest motherfucking thing in, uh, pretty much in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I would say Phoenix is, I mean, Phoenix Unleashed and Dark Phoenix is scarier than Thanos. It's up I, there, yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm, okay. I, I can't, I'm, I'm with you. Preaching to the choir. Sorry. Well, oh. I don't. I don't know your people, so they don't know me. <laughs> Whatever, I do what I want. I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Should I ruin Guardians of the Galaxy like I did on my show? <laughs> I blurted out the main story plot, and Robin and Sean hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> hey, have you seen it, Gene? Yes, I have. Okay. I saw it on me, Free Comic Book Day, as a matter of fact. Nice. Let, let me tell you, as somebody who didn't grow up with with a dad, it didn't affect me at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't grow up with a dad either, and if my dad came to me and asked me to do that, I probably would. Would? You I would? Probably, I probably yeah. would. I'd kick my dad square in the fucking nuts. Fuck that guy. <laughs> if, even if he was Kurt Russell? What? what, what or, David you want or David Hasselhoff. Why you don't want me? <laughs> yeah, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one David. thing I asked my, my wife as we walked out of the theater is, how much did David Hasselhoff get paid just to say, I am Groot at the end? <laughs> oh, he did it for free. Come uh, on. He needs the exposure. Yeah, he did it for a sandwich and a case of beer. <laughs> I think you're getting him and Swayze mixed up, but okay. Ha! Swayze's dead, isn't he? Yes, yes. he is. But Thank he still God. had that. He still had that uh, video out on. Uh, I think that was him, wasn't it? 
Are you sitting there drunk eating a sandwich, like eating a Burger King burger? This is the best burger. It's not, buddy. Just lay down. That was Hasselhoff, wasn't it? Was it? That yeah. was Hasselhoff, yeah. That was Hasselhoff, I think, yeah. Okay, well, what do I, I obviously I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Sorry. That's all right. Great guest to have on your show, Gene. That's all right. I uh, I think it's important to note that Guardians of the Galaxy was a terrific comic book movie, not necessarily a superhero movie, and it borrowed heavily from the Earth X series. I just want to point out that they had a face on the damn planet. I loved it. <laughs> that was <Perfect>. amazing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back to the sheep. Mordred, <laughs> having won the battle, creates a portal... With the sheep. Yeah, he he fought the sheep to the bitter end. He creates a portal that allows his body to come through to our world. According to the editor's note, he was banished back in Captain America number 306 by none other than Merlin. Mm. Which is kind of an oversimplification of those two issues, but I'll go with it. As Mordred closes the portal, Quasar arrives. Mordred orders Phoenix to attack Quasar, and she blasts him. Now, unlike... The cover, Quasar is actually able to get a shield up in time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, while analyzing her energy signature, he tries to convince Phoenix that they are on the same side. And I would like to take a break from the synopsis to point out that Quasar is the only guy that does this. (laughs) He's the only one that says, hey, we really shouldn't be fighting right now, you know. We're, We're supposed to both be good guys. No one else does that. Everyone else says, oh, I'll fight you, no problem. <laughs> Which is how it works in every comic book everywhere else, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And Tom, I, I was... I'd like to point out that this entire page is full of reds and yellows and oranges. <laughs> oh, thanks. thanks. I appreciate that. I'll fill that in later. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do want to say, again, I'm not very familiar with the Rachel Summers version of Phoenix. Uh, what actual use are the spikes across her arms, wrists, and down the center of her torso, including between the tits? It wards off unwanted hugs. (laughs) (laughs) I'd still hug her. With my my penis. (laughs) I'd hug her with my penis. Uh, No, uh, in the alternate future, uh, she was a hound. Which, as the name implies, is she was basically brainwashed and treated like a dog. And uh, when sent to a hunt, there was a chain around the neck. Those tattoos on her face uh, are tattoos branding her as a hound. And, you know, like think of it like a spiked dog collar. Gotcha. Yeah. And so when she came to this timeline where none of that other bullshit that happened matters, mm-hmm. she couldn't change her appearance in any way, shape, or form, especially since she has the creative uh, force of the universe inside her. Well, you can't see the tattoos on her face because she uses that force to um, suppress a tattoo, to Uh make it look like normal skin. Uh, And I think this is just, I think her uniform is just bound to her. So when she activates the Phoenix force, uh, it's not, it becomes visible or what have you. I, I, that's what I remember. Yeah, I gotcha. don't. I don't remember her ever being out of that outfit. So it ha- there has to be something, something there that it she can't take it off or get away from it for whatever reason. And it could have to do with 
like Adam said, with being a hound, where it's mm-hmm. just they didn't ever want her to take it off, so they did something to make sure she couldn't. Right. Also, also, and 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 again, this is just non sequitur and or sequitur and uh, and just kind of my SJW coming out in me. Why the fuck is she in heels? Like, she can fly. What does it matter? Exactly my point. She's in fly. If she can fly. Why would she be running around in fucking heels? Well, you see that. That my point is that <laughs> most superhero women that mm-hmm. can't fly heels make no sense. For mm-hmm. the women that can fly, it's like, oh yeah, I just I want this pretty boot on, no problem, and it doesn't affect me because I can fly. It doesn't matter if I'm running in them or not. Gotcha. But I've, what I've noticed yeah. is that most women superheroes especially in the 80s and it kind of staved off in the mid 90s they had whether they could fly or not had heels because they're women because they're women and guys are pigs and guys draw the comics whoa 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 just hold the fucking phone i don't know if you've ever been on facebook and i know i know you have because you live on facebook i have a lot of i have a i have a lot of female friends who will post pictures. Well, all right, maybe like four, five. And they post pictures of hot guys. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I remember one the other day that uh, uh, The Hole, who was a guest star on my show, one of her lady friends posted a picture of Beckham on her page. And with a, I'm just going to leave this right here. And I think to myself, all right, so it's this hot dude with his shirt off and whatever. Now, if I posted the same picture... On your fucking page, Tom, I would be labeled a sexist, but... A dude or a chick? I would say a chick, but I know you'd prefer the dude. I'm just saying for a <laughs> hypothetical scenario, if I post... I think you're getting me and Rob confused, but okay. Sometimes I do. You both kind of, you know, they both kind of look alike. <laughs> look alike. Uh, <laughs> right. Anyways, no. what, I'm, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, women are just as big of a pigs as men are. Just men take the shit for it. Yes, I, I, I under. Hey, I'm about equity, and there is some equal uh, opportunity, uh, piggery and chauvinism on both sides of the gender spectrum, of which there are two. Um, That's right. There are two scientific cla- classifications. Uh, but I, I would say that anything that that the whole does uh and that's what you're going to use for your proof doesn't count because she's more of a dude than i am so <laughs> it's very true it's I very I love again, again a very low bar oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well okay all right back to the comic back to the comic all right, when uh, Phoenix referred to Mordred as her master, Quasar is tipped off that some odd is going on around here. He's able to absorb most of her power, but some of it still gets through and starts burning up the countryside. So he calls Eon. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> so Mordred gets involved with this, and uh, it becomes, I'm sorry for the pun, a battle of the bands. Oh, God. That's terrible. Because <laughs> he binds Quasar in everyone's favorite Crimson Bands of Kytorak. 
I am pronouncing those that are, right, right? Those are pink, right? Like uh, that's purplish pink, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Yes, and thank you for pronouncing it with a hard C because we all know Stan Lee likes his alliteration, so it would be Crimson Bands of Kiterac, and I've heard it pronounced Sidorak, and it just makes me cringe. Well, really, when you have the C-Y together, it is more of a, a hard C sound. It uh, is? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. the, uh, the ancient, like, uh, the ancient Britons are the Celts, not the Celts. Not, uh-huh. not like, uh, so the basketball team in Boston should actually be the Celtics. So that makes sense, especially since Mordred is from the British Isles, and he makes mention of that several times. So, yeah, Kyderak makes sense in this, this instance. Anyway, as their foe is now helpless, Mordred and Phoenix fly off to find Merlin. As the uh, Crimson Bands continue to constrict, Quasar tries to free himself. Well, he calls Eon, who is of no help whatsoever, <laughs> Yeah, and this Eon, again, pre-internet, Eon is like his Palm Pilot that has Wikipedia, and it just takes him forever to bring up any information, but eventually he will. And part of it, I'm I'm of two minds on this. One, it's either Eon, in his vast cosmic awareness, cannot bring himself to pinpoint one specific thing very quickly, or... He's trying to give Quasar a kick in the ass to say, hey, you got to figure this stuff out on your own. I can't help you all the time. It's probably well, a little bit of both. Yeah. Based on the one thing that I that I the one episode or issue that I've read, um, he does eventually get back to him and then Quasar treats him like a douche. <laughs> so I don't blame him for taking a little bit of time. Like, yeah. Fuck you, dude. You'll figure it out. I don't, I don't need to do nothing for you. Yeah, well, you know, Quasar is uh, prone to bouts of self-loathing, and so he was probably beating himself up, and then Eon calls, and so he takes out his frustration on Eon, which is not cool. It's still not cool. So in other words, Quasar has the attitude of your average teenager. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much, sure. Well, well, what I was going to say, and now I feel like my joke is ruined, but that's fine, is I thought that his uh, his alter ego was Wendell Vaughn, not Adam Worth. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you, ouch. you, ouch, you, ouch. buddy, you. I feel, I feel so sad and alone. Yeah, that would require you to have feelings. That's true. It's <laughs> very true. I have been referred to as Bobby Heenan. <laughs> we actually had a listener that we had an exchange with, and it was a pleasant exchange. Uh, uh, who says, are you trying to be like Bobby Heaton? <laughs> like, you got it in one! <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, with no help from Rion, Quasar managed to remember that iron is supposed to interfere with magical energy. Proving that he didn't really need Eon's help in the first place. Exactly. Right. So, Quasar pulls himself to the ground, for whatever reason, and before he can do anything to free himself, the rest of Excalibur show up. Captain Britain, who is fairly strong against magical stuff, frees Quasar, and everyone fills in everyone else on what happened. They fly off to find Mordred and find them crossing the English Channel, which is kind of uh, indu- panic-inducing to Megan and Captain Britain. Because um, if you look at Captain Britain's face, it's like 
someone's got a, a gun to a puppy's head or something. It's, it's <laughs> a little bit of an overreaction. But so yeah, so they they leave uh, Britain, the British Isles, and their powers. Do they disappear or do they diminish? They diminish. They don't go away, but they're nowhere near as powerful as they would be. Uh, so basically, so, off their home turf, they're superheroes. On their home turf, they're like demigods. Gotcha. Hey. All right. So. Eon calls back just as the battle is joined, but as Tom said, Quasar shushes him. So I have the way that you can defeat your shut up. <laughs> so Quasar simultaneously is binding Mordred, holding up Excalibur in a bubble, and redirecting Phoenix's blast, which proves to be a little too much for him to mentally deal with. Since something's got to give, he retracts the bubble, and the members of Excalibur fall into the water. As Phoenix increases her attack, Mordred breaks his bonds, much like Thunder of the Barbarian. <laughs> I hate Eugene. <laughs> Quasar immediately redirects Phoenix's flame into a concussive blast that hits Mordred and catches him off guard. One of the smartest. I didn't. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I feel bad that I didn't. But when he he came up with this. I, I I didn't see it coming, and I thought that's one of the smartest solutions to a problem that I've seen in a comic book in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, he was already redirecting. It's just instead of going down, it goes over. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's very basic. It didn't involve a lot of thought, and I think that's why my mind went right over that. Boy, that was anyway. the hardest backhanded compliment you ever gave yourself. <laughs> It was kind of basic. It was so simple that I no wonder I didn't think about it because I'm so complicated and deep. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I know what you meant. But, but <laughs> fuck you. Whoa. Easy. Uh, hey, are you turning it down? Cause... No, no, I wasn't a no. <laughs> I said when you do it, Just do it easy. easy. Just easy. Gentle like. Lots of love. Then, then it's not fucking. <laughs> All right, it's making love. <laughs> it's romance. Can we move on? Okay. Mordred commands to on you. Mordred commands Phoenix to stop her attack, which allows Quasar to put Mordred in a bubble. Nightcrawler then teleports inside the bubble with Widget, which is this disembodied mechanical head thing, and Widget creates an interdimensional porthole. And Nightcrawler does the I'll uh, you. Kneel down behind him, I'll hit him, and he falls over backwards into the portal. Yeah, that was a great part of Deuce Ex Machina. Just, it's just, we want, we want to get this done, and, and we've only got two pages left. we got to get this done. Let's let's have Nightcrawler teleport in and punch him through the portal, and no muss, no fuss. Yeah, and I, I don't remember a lot about Excalibur or Widget, and I don't know if this was a regular thing that he was able to do or if this is a Doctor Strange pulling the correct spell out of his ass at the last minute thing. As as I recall, and I haven't read it in a while, um, I believe they found Widget on their cross-dimensional caper, quote-unquote. Right. And the reason why it took them so long to get home was because Widget, they kept teleporting or hopping dimensions through Widget 
Ah. But they never they were having difficulty finding their way home. Like Scott Bakula in Quantum Leap. That's exactly what I was going for. Thank you. See, I, mm-hmm. I was thinking it was more of a sliders thing myself, but whatever. Ah. Gotcha. By the way, we have an ad for some Activision games. Ghostbusters 2, The Three Stooges, Stealth, and Archon, four of the worst games ever created. Oh, they're no E.T. <laughs> they're no E.T., but right up there, yeah. or down there, as the case may be. Right. Anyway, lots of huggy hug, oh, I'm glad you're safe, blah, 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 and Quasar takes them home, yes? Yes, and then he's doing his uh, typical, oh, woe is me routine, to the point where he creates a quantum version of his face and then flies through it, smashing it. Because that's how good he feels about himself right now. Yeah, God, that guy's got some problems. No kidding. <laughs> he just punch himself in the face with his face? <laughs> yeah, I that's can't he... with this. Yeah, he has oh. a whole pity party and, oh, I'm worthless. Some two-bit magician nearly aced me, the high and mighty protector of the universe. What a joke I am. So it's not like um, Marvel to just let somebody go, especially, especially someone with a high power level. So, And it's some nobody that I'm familiar with. So is Quasar dead? Is he gone? Is he not part of the universe anymore? Or is he waiting in the back wings to be resurrected, much like the Guardians of the Galaxy? So he actually physically gets resurrected during the Guardians of the Galaxy run. Uh, He's a a quantum ghost, for lack of a better term. So he dies twice in his own book, and then he dies again. He also dies in the Infinity Gauntlet, uh, because the Infinity Gauntlet, a lot of people don't know this, but when Thanos gets resurrected and obtains the Infinity Gauntlet, his first stop is Silver Surfer, his second stop is Quasar, and then the Infinity Gauntlet starts. In the 2000s, uh, somebody else takes up the mantle of Quasar and uh, the Quantum Bands. That happens to be um, uh, Marvel's sister, Captain Marvel's sister, uh, Phyla Vell. Um, and Quasar is kind of like an Obi-Wan Kenobi ghost that pops in every now and again. But eventually he gets reborn, gets the, the quantum bands back, and is now uh, active in outside of the prime Earth uh, gotcha. continuity. And it's good when he shows up. He's actually uh, gets on a super team, superhero team called the Annihilators, which, get this, is it's Better Ray Bill, Ronan the Accuser, Gladiator, uh, Quasar, and the Super Scroll. So... Mm. Omega level, you know, top most powerful characters all on one team. And it's a, it's a good, it's a good, another good read. Something worth getting. Not who you would expect to team up. No. 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 So is that their answer to Suicide Squad then, or? Well, if every character on the Suicide Squad had Superman was, level powers. Was useful? Um. Yeah, right. <laughs> So what what you're saying is that there's no Slipknot on this team? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Or Harley, because she's, as interesting as she is, she's pretty fucking useless. Yeah, she really is. She's she's there to to bring 13-year-old boys to the theater. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And Adam. (laughs) And those with minds of 13-year-old boys. Which is all of us, let's face it. True, very true. 
I know, I know this is a quick, but I want to go back to the Suicide Squad thing. Is there anybody on that team, aside from the Sorceress and Deadshot, that's actually fucking useful? Are you, telling, are you saying that Captain Boomerang? <laughs> yeah. Are you saying Captain no. Boomerang isn't useful? <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> I, or Ray I mean, Mysterio? <laughs> <laughs> that's not Ray Mysterio, is it? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was good. <laughs> uh, and, and I know we're talking about the movie version, but even in the in the um, the comic version, anybody who would be on the squad was generally non-powered or underpowered. None of them were useful, <laughs> as far as I can remember. Yeah, I haven't read a lot of Suicide Squad, so I can't tell you. But they're yeah. they're all just it, it's it's a joke comic, if you ask me. I get why they did it, and it it just wasn't it isn't what it what it should have been. Well, it started out pretty well because it was an introduction of Amanda Waller, and anything that brings her into into play, I think, is worth it. Yeah, yeah, she's hot. Uh, she's evil. I mean, what? <laughs> No, well, you got to figure, if you're on the Suicide Squad, you were not good enough to not get caught. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. You're expendable. It's the expen- It's the fucking Expendables. It's the comic book version of the Expendables. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. <sighs> All right. Do we want to wrap up here? Yeah, why don't we wrap up, because that's the end of the issue. And so we'll be back in sometime in the next nine months with an- another episode. With yeah. a new Quasar baby. With a Quasar baby. No, that's a few issues down the road. It's not a cover <laughs> oh, I enjoy. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. Holy shit, I forgot about that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thomas, why don't you uh, remind the good listeners that have lasted this long where they can find you? Um, Nowhere, because if you really like Quasar, I'm pretty sure we can't get along. Um, oh, no, that's, that's not, not true. That's I, terrible. It's, it's not true. I actually had a lot of fun reading this, although it took a lot longer than I expected it to. Let me ask you before I put my plug in, are all of them this wordy? Most, yes. Okay. Really? I think, I, well, yeah, some of them are pretty wordy. I mean, we're still in the, uh, you know, the late 80s, early 90s where the superhero has to think about everything they're going to do and think out loud to themselves everything. They're, I'm going to open the door now, and then I'm going to walk through the door, and then I'm going to look around. Is there any bad guys in here? Um, yeah, well, I, I, I would say once you get to, uh, let me look at it real quick, like starting issue 20-ish and there on, it gets a, a little bit more action oriented because that's where the the big bad that quasar has been hired to to fight against it that's where that starts coming in so mm-hmm. it gets to a little more fast paced from there and it just once that starts it kind of takes off yeah yes uh, i agree i'll, I'll say in, I'm, I'm making this joke but one of my favorite writers is bendis mm-hmm. so and he's wordy as shit there's something about this though that just seems like like you said, it's that old style of comic where everything's an inner monologue. Everything that might not, if it's not completely dumped over your head, 
uh, in the in, within the panel art, they're going to talk about it for three panels. So, mm. yeah. Anyway, you can find me at uh, NegOneCast. Um, we try to release every Sunday. I've already explained the premise of the show. Um, we're on iTunes. You can also find us on NeoZaz.com, N-E-O-Z-A-Z.com. Uh, and give us a listen and, uh, so, you know, send us a note saying where you came from. We'd be happy to have you. All right, Adam, do you want to uh, plug the Bad Advice Show one more time before we go out? Yeah, uh, Bad Advice Show uh, releases twice a month, mostly, and it's a lot of fun. We have a good time there, and as you can imagine, we have zero filter. So if you if you like what you hear here and you want more of that on crack, that's the Bad Advice Show. And, of course, if you are listening to this in quote-unquote real time, uh, Friday, July 7th in Philadelphia, Tattooed Mom, 6 to 8, then Wooly Mammoth, 9 to 11, Fan Meet and Greet. Go to the Facebook page, look at the event. All the details are there. Follow us uh, during that night at the hashtag BAS Bar Crawl. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, come on out. All right. So it's that's going to be a fun time. I encourage, like Adam said, anyone in the Philadelphia area to come and uh, have fun. Well, and uh, we will be back with another Quantum Cast episode eventually. It's the best <laughs> I can do. Thank you for listening to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. You can find us on the web at quantumbands.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Google Plus under Quantum Bands. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please email us at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. And I helped.